0: Of a different outlook it doesn't change how beautiful the landscape is it is still hawaii it's beautiful uh but i will tell you that there is a spiritual battle a very very strong spiritual battle that that is uh that you find when you're there and i'll, I'll say this as well um any church that's attempting to reach people for jesus christ and attempting to get them discipled is going to experience spiritual warfare if you, if you don't want that, just stop sharing the gospel, stop reading your Bible, and stop living the Christian life. And uh, you'll, have, you'll always have trouble, but spiritual warfare is a different thing. So uh, if you would pray uh, for the Baker family there in Hawaii, it's, uh, uh, again, a, a great mission field. They've been plowing there almost as long as we've had our church here. And um, so uh, continue to pray for them. Open your Bibles tonight, Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5. And I am—I'm just super, super thankful to be with you all tonight. Uh, standing there in line at the pharmacy at King Super's in Bennett, uh, looking at the clock, I was going, "Lord, you got to get me out of here. I've got a job to do." And uh, the Lord did. It, but He tried. It, it was very interesting because what the Lord will do sometimes is He'll test everything that you're teaching and preaching about. And you're talking about le- being led by the Spirit of God, and and the the flesh goes, "I got to get out of here." And, and the flesh, you know, wants to get mad at someone that's going 55 miles an hour in the left-hand lane on I-70, and the Lord's going, the Lord's going, are you, are you going to be led by me? Are you going to be led by me? And I can almost hear him kind of smiling as he says it, and, uh, and that's good for you. You know that's good for you sometimes? Uh, it, it's good for me, I'll tell you that much. And you don't realize how much of your life is led by your own flesh, and, and the Bible does such an excellent, that's why this book is like no other book, because this book presents your nature like no other quote-unquote religious book on this planet does. Amen. And uh, that's how you know it's written by God. Uh, look at Galatians chapter 5 as we continue in our study on uh, the, being, uh, the, the results of a spirit-led life. And what we hope to do tonight is expose what the Bible says eventually about one of the first uh, manifestations of the fruit of the spirit. But again, uh, I'm going to have you go to verse number 16. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. For just a little bit, verse number 16, Galatians 5, verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under under the law. Talking about the law of the works of the flesh. Look at verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath. When you're in traffic, amen. (laughs) Strife, seditions, heresies, envyings. You wish you had something that someone else has murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Again, not your, a matter of salvation, but a matter of your gaining of rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. You can read about that in 1 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 5, and in uh, 2 Timothy chapter number 2. But I want you to look at verse 22. This is kind of what we're going to focus on a little bit. But, That word, but, means that there's a contrast. We're going to talk about that contrast tonight. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. But the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, is love. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. And uh, Brother Stian, would you open us up in a word of prayer, sir? Amen. Amen. Be seated if you would. Now, let me just, by way of reintroduction, mention a couple of things. We went over the last couple of weeks and talked about, uh, 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 first off, what it means to be alive in the Spirit and how being alive in the Spirit, all right, what that means is that you are born again. Are you alive in the Spirit tonight? All right. Some of you need more coffee, but you're still alive in the Spirit, all right? And uh, if you're alive in the Spirit, all that means is that you have been born again, you have been uh, Baptized spiritually in the Holy Spirit, and you read about that uh, over in uh, First Corinthians chapter number twelve. All right, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All right, that is that is another term for salvation. When you got saved. You were baptized in the Spirit of God, which means the Spirit of God came inside of you. All right. Christ in you, the hope of glory, and you became part of Christ. You are in the body, and he is in you. Therefore, you are submerged in Christ. Christ is in you. You're in Christ. Therefore, you are baptized in the Spirit of God. Listen, you're not wait-if you're saved, if you're alive in the Spirit, you're not waiting for a second blessing. You're not waiting for another baptism to happen. You know, this mysterious thing. You got all the Spirit of God that you were going to get when you got saved. All right, and, and that's a fact, all right? Now, the Bible also says to walk in the Spirit. Uh, when you are walking in the Spirit or you are led of the Spirit, all right, that is a matter of not just salvation, but of submission. And that that we talked about this. You have a choice. You don't have to submit to the Spirit of God. You can uh, look at Acts chapter number 7 real quickly with me. Acts chapter 7, and uh, there's a... a, a Uh, uh, A man named Stephen, he's one of the first deacons in the early church, and he is uh, oftentimes called the first martyr of the church. But I want you to see what he says here, because this is something that you can do in your life. Now, when Stephen was saying this, uh, Stephen was not talking to those who are saved. However, uh, this is something that you can do, even as a born-again believer. Look at verse 51. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. Now you go, well, he's writing that to lost people. I'll I'll give you that, I'll give you that. Uh, But we've already looked at it before. Over in Ephesians, it says this. It says, grieve not the Spirit of God. Over in Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, quench not the Spirit. So in your life, you can resist what God is trying to do. You can resist being led of the Spirit of God. And you know what? God is not going to force you to follow Him. That is your choice. And we talked about that. We also talked a lot about the fact that the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, uh, the way that He operated in the Old Testament was a little bit different than how He operates in the New Testament. And to that, you know what you ought to say? Because you're on this side of the cross, you ought to say, Amen. All right? Thank God the Holy Spirit will not leave me. Because you know what uh, uh, David praised in Psalm 51? Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Wow, that's a prayer right there, is it not? Uh, I mean, listen, I don't know about you guys. I've had some dark days. I've had some dark moments. I've had some real frustrating moments. I've had some times in my life where the Spirit of God uh, told me I was doing something wrong, and I didn't listen. I rejected it, and I refused it. And by the way, can I just get this off my chest? If Paul is writing to save people, and he gives you instruction on the works of the flesh, don't you think that's a colossal waste of the Holy Spirit's inspiration and his time in giving us those words if you can't do that now that you're saved? Some people believe that once you get saved, the old man is completely gone. I wish he was. What you're doing is, as a born-again Christian, you're walking around with a corpse everywhere you go. And that corpse is going to try to tell you, I want this, and I want you to think this way, and I want you to respond this way, and I want you to react this way, and I want you to have wrath toward that person. I want you to, you know, put them in their place, and I want you to show that you're number one. And and there's pride, and there's envy, and all of that. And then the Spirit of God says, that's not going to work. It hasn't worked your whole entire life. Why are you still doing it and expecting a different result? That's called insanity. Amen? Doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. And the Spirit of God goes, let's go this way. And the flesh says, let's go this way. You're going to have to decide which one you follow. Uh, Thank God, though, in all of my moments as a believer, I have never had to pray what David prayed. Take not the Holy Spirit from me. Now, uh, Saul, we learned about this as well. Saul had the Holy Spirit come on him, and the Holy Spirit left him. The Holy Spirit would go inside, He would dwell in certain people. We see that in the life of Joseph, we see it in the life of Daniel, uh, we studied it out last week. However, the catch was this, He was not promised, that's a key word, He was not promised to dwell inside of you permanently until the New Testament. And Jesus makes that promise when he's talking to his disciples about his departure in John chapter 14, 15, and 16, all right? But but I want you to notice something in Galatians chapter number five. Uh, Tonight, you notice that word, that first word in verse 22. You say, what is it? You know what that is? That's a contrast. And he's going to show you a contrast, all right, between the spirit and the flesh. Now, I want you to think about this, all right? Uh, Where did the eraser go? There you are, sneaky little thing. All right, I want you to think about this. All right, uh, count over there in uh, verse 16-ish, 17, somewhere in there. Count the number of the works of the flesh. I'm not a mathematician, but if I got it right, I think it's 17. Can you count that for me and verify that? 17. 17? All right. Now, how many manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit are there? Nine. Nine. Nine in your Bible is connected with fruitfulness, all right? And so, yes, uh, you see that this is, by the way, notice this as well. It's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's one fruit. Different manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, what God is doing, the moment you got saved, God planted a seed inside of you, we're going to look at that, and God wants to take that seed and bear fruit. It's springtime. Anybody else glad it's springtime? Anybody else ready for the snow to be done? All right, and look how green everything is and all that. You know what that it all starts with one small seed. And then with the right elements it grows from there. But here's what I want you to understand. It is one fruit of the spirit, different manifestations. But I want you to look this is not complicated. I'm not trying to trick you or anything like that. But but it's clear that there are more manifestations of the works of the flesh in that passage listed out than there are manifestations of the fruit of the spirit. Is that fair? Now, look, if you would, at Matthew, go to Matthew chapter number, I believe it's 22, Matthew 26, sorry, Matthew 26. There's a couple ways you learn as a Christian, or as as a person, really, repetition, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little bit, all right, going over things over and over. Remember your multiplication tables, remember that? All right. Uh, you, you remember some of that stuff from your childhood. Right. Uh, I still remember it. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Miss Cindy's wagging her head. Yeah, I know that song. Miss Virginia, I know you know that song. All right. My childhood is, is scarred with those those songs. Right. You say, what was that? I repeated those things over and over and over. You learn by repetition. You learn by comparison. This is like this. Right. You also learn by contrast. And what the Lord wants to do in Galatians 5 is show you, this is your flesh, this is my spirit, and here's why they're diametrically opposed. All right, uh, Look at Matthew 26, and look if you would at verse number 40. Verse 40, He cometh unto his disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The Spirit indeed is what? But the flesh is what? Isn't that something? You know, uh, go, to, go to Mark 14. Mark 14. And, and it's, you're going to find something really interesting here. He says, The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now look at Mark 14 and look at verse 37, 38, and 39. You know what word is different there? When he talks about the nature of the spirit, he doesn't say willing, does he? He says ready. You know, what, do you know what your spirit, you know the spirit of God is inside of you? He's ready and he's willing to do the right thing. But here's what you have to get a hold of. Here's what you have to get a hold of, right? The flesh has a head start. Are you seeing the math here? The flesh has a the, you've known your flesh longer than you've known the spirit of God. Is that fair? All right, because you 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 had your flesh from day one, right? And no one had to teach you how to lie or how to be selfish or how to be a narcissist. That came naturally, amen. And and by the way, the world has this idea that we just need to love ourselves more. And we're talking about love tonight. Can I just say this? That's not the problem in the world today. The problem in the world is that people love themselves too much. And because they love themselves so much, and self-included, you've got to throw yourself in there and not just say, that's the way the world is. That's how you are without God. You love you more than anybody else. And God has to tell you, hey, you need to take that love that you're shedding on yourself and give it out to somebody else. That, that is something that is supernatural. It is not natural to love yourself. I'd love someone else like you love yourself. All right, look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. The flesh has a head start in your life. You've got to get a hold of that. And so you have to, listen, uh, let me ask you this question. What does a lost person have to do to go to hell? Right? What does a saved person have to do to walk in the flesh? Bingo. You know why? Because you're already there. If you want to walk in the Spirit, it's going to take some effort. Amen. Walking in the flesh is natural. Your flesh already has a head start. You, already, you are more familiar with the works of the flesh just by nature of how long you've been alive versus how long you've been saved. And by the way, no one in this room was born saved. Okay? You had to be born again. All right? So, so again, you need to understand, look, God wants to show you this, this idea. Where did I tell you to go, guys? It was Ephesians 5. Look at at verse 25. Ephesians 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. And all that is like, amen, brother, you preach it. All right? Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. The the level of love there, and it goes on to say, no man ever ever yet hated his own flesh, right? But nourisheth and cherisheth it, right? That's how, what Paul's saying is by nature, you already love you. The problem's not that you don't love you. The problem is you don't love others. And the real issue there is that, it's, that there's a natural form of love, but it's fallen. And then there's a supernatural form of love, and it, it is led by the Spirit of God. And that is what is missing for most of the world. That's why Jesus said, When iniquity shall abound, and the love of many shall wax what? Cold. 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 All right? Uh, let, let me say this. Uh, 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 go, go to uh, Philippians chapter 2. God wants to work out what's inside of you into this world. And, you know, if you want to have the works of the flesh in your life, just do nothing. Don't read your Bible. Don't pray. Don't come to church. Don't make the effort. Just live your life. Just keep going. You can be saved and do this, by the way. And just think the way you want to think. Respond the way you want to respond. And just do what's natural. That's it. That's all you got to do. All right? Uh, Philippians chapter 2, look if you would at verse 13. For it is God which worketh in you. Now, didn't we just read the works of the flesh? You know what? I'm trying to show you the, the battle that's going on. Because God's trying to work inside of you if you're saved. God's trying to work in you. But at the same time, you've got the old nature that's also trying to work in you. All right? And the works of the flesh are these, but it says this. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And then he goes on to say, Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Wow. Thanks, Lord. Why'd you put that in there? Why'd you put that in there, you know? Uh, That you may be blameless and harmless as sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. You know what he's trying to say? You will stand out if you allow God to work in you and work out from inside what he's put in there. But that is a choice. By nature, you want to do what the flesh wants to do. And by nature, it's easier to do that. And by nature, let me just say this. Uh, uh, I, the Lord has tested me. Here's what I've learned. Every time I teach on something, the Lord goes, you really believe that? I'm like, yeah, Lord, I believe that. Every word of it. And I stand by it. And the Lord's like, really? Okay, here's another child. <laughs> okay, all right. Now, now, all joking aside, do you, you know what happened for years? We had girls. Well, people would say, that they come up to us after I teach on the, what the Bible says about raising children. They go, well, you just don't understand because you don't have a boy. <laughs> and I'd be like, I am one. Does that count? <laughs> right? But 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 then the Lord goes, okay, here are two boys. Right? And then it's like, hey, listen, th- th- you don't, don't allow, just because you have a newborn in your life, don't allow, you know, the, the romance to die between you and your spouse and teaching on marriage and all that kind of stuff. the Lord's like, really? You believe that? Yes, sir, Lord, I believe that. Here you go. You know, it's like, oh, you lost that love and feeling. What happened there? You, well, the Lord's testing you. Lord's testing you. And, and what happens is this. God, God shows you what truth is, and you go, amen. He goes, Really? You believe that. You believe the words of God. You're supposed to love her like Christ loved the church. And you, Yeah, Lord, I believe that. Okay, let me test that. And therein lies the distinction. Therein lies the moment in which you go from either following the flesh or the Spirit. Are you with me? All right, look at Ephesians chapter number 3. Ephesians chapter 3. God is working. He's trying to work in you. He wants to work in you and work out the things that He's planted inside of you. It is not enough, I mentioned this on Sunday, it's not enough to believe the truth. That's step number one. Believing it is the, st- is the first step. If you don't have faith to say amen, even though my culture, even though the world around me, even though my family says I'm crazy, that is truth because God said it. You can't go beyond that. That's step one. I, I, we acknowledge that as necessary. That's called biblical faith. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word, word of God. Romans chapter number 10, right? Okay, we acknowledge that. Great. What now? Now you've got to put it on, Cinderella, if the shoe fits, wear it. And when God brings truth into your life, even if you don't like it, if the Spirit of God is showing you and bearing witness to that, that's His job in your life to say, yes, that is right. Yes, that is true. Amen to that truth. And when, you, when the Spirit of God does that, that's when you go, okay, Lord, I've got to put that on. I've got to put on, as the Bible says in Colossians, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, it's a matter of you putting on the new man, allowing God's work to flow out of you instead of just staying inside of you. Look at Ephesians chapter three and verse number 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh where? That's inside of you. Now, the way that some people read that is, oh man, you ask God for a yacht, he's going to give you a yacht, because man, He's just, uh, you ask God for a mansion, you ask God for the... Listen, that, that's, not, that's not what that verse is even close or remote to close saying right there. He's talking about what God started in you, Philippians chapter number one, he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's the power that's inside of you. You know what that's saying? You can say no to sin. You don't have to respond the same way. You don't have to fall in that same habit you fell in for the last 25 years. You can respond differently. You can be led of the Spirit. In other words, God is removing from us the idea of victimhood. I don't have... Yes, you do have a choice every single time. When I'm upset, listen, let me tell you something. I'm not perfect. My, my kids will do things and push buttons, and I, I'll get in the flesh sometimes. There'll be times where I go, ah! And the Lord goes, is that going to teach them anything? You see, because if I'm not in control of my own spirit, how can I teach them to be in control of their own spirit? It's making sense? The difference between responding in the flesh... Now listen, when you, you want to Let me ask you this simple question. Who wants to bear fruit in their life for Jesus Christ? All right, look at Romans chapter 6. I'm going to give you some thoughts about, about what it takes to bear fruit. Understand this much. You have borne fruit before. You just bore it unto sin. All right, what I mean by that is, look at Romans chapter 6 and verse 21. You are not, you may not realize this, but the idea of bearing fruit in your life is not a new idea. It's just to what is it that you're going to bear fruit. Look at Romans 6 and Verse 21. What fruit, now go back to verse, uh, verse 19, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members, that's the members of your body. You know what they say if you cut off a finger, you're missing a member, right? And so you know, you know what this is? The members is the members of your body. All right, look what he says here: as, uh, uh, for as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity and iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness, unholiness. for when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. Here's the point: you are going to be serving something. you are never completely you think you're free, but you're always in service to something. you go, I'm not free any, I'm not in service to anybody, I do my own thing then you are a servant to your own flesh because you are captive by your flesh. And if if your flesh says, look at that, you look. Even when the Spirit of God says, don't look, you do it. And when the the flesh says, I drink that, you drink it because you want it. And when the flesh says, think that way, you do it because you want it because you're in service to your flesh. Or now that you're saved, what God's telling you is you can be in service to righteousness. You're going to either be free from sin or free from serving God. You choose. Look what he says in verse number 21. What fruit, what fruit had ye in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Ever taken a bite out of something? You're like, ooh, that is not good anymore. (laughs) That's what it's like spiritually when you become the servant of sin as a born-again child of God, and you can. You can. It just, it tastes awful. It's fruit, but it's not the fruit you want. Look at verse 22. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your, what? Fruit. Fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Look at Romans chapter 7 since you're so close and look if you would at verse 4. This is midweek Bible study, amen? Yeah. So I hope you take notes, write some of these verses down, try to connect the dots and the thoughts that we're laying out here. Romans 7 verse 4. Wherefore, my, beloved, uh, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, that's a, you as a member of the body of Christ, being married to Jesus Christ, even to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bring forth what? Fruit. You are saved to bring forth fruit unto God. Now, here, here's where people get kind of messed up. They go, well, uh, the only way I'm going to know your shade is if you bear fruit. Here's the problem with that. Uh, you can be saved and, and, and be following the flesh. And you won't bear fruit for Jesus Christ. He didn't say, I'm going to prove your salvation by you bearing fruit. As much as he's saying, I saved you for the purpose that you would bear fruit. Here's the problem. What I'm referring to is this. Over there in Matthew 7, it says, by their fruits you shall know them. And a lot of people, a lot of Baptists go, oh, that means if Brother Joe's not bearing the right kind of fruit, he must not be saved. Here's the problem with that. Have you ever been backslidden? Have you ever been following the flesh instead of the Spirit? In that moment, you're not bearing fruit unto God. you understand that? You didn't lose your salvation, all right? But what it does mean is this. You're, You're bearing some stinky fruit under your flesh. And you're missing out on your purpose. You are here to bear fruit unto God. So the question is, what kind of fruit are you bearing? You know an apple tree should have apples on it? You know that? Like you don't walk up to an apple tree and go, ooh, look at those pretty bananas. Man, that's gorgeous. I mean, even if the banana is beautiful, if it's an apple tree, you're like, this is not right. Right. I don't care how good it looks or how wonderful it tastes. You're thinking to yourself, wait, there's an apple over there. There's an apple over there. There's an apple over there. What is that orange doing there? All right. So you are a child of God. Amen? Amen. So you know what you should bear? You should bear other children of God. You should lead other people to Jesus Christ. That should be part of your fruit. If you're going to be led of the Spirit of God, can I ask you this? Uh, do you, you know some people can be saved there and they can be saved for twenty, thirty, forty years, and never have anybody else they 've ever led to Christ. Can I encourage you to consider that as a child of God? Can I encourage you to consider that if you 're listen like like I think it 's an amazing thing when a woman 's pregnant it 's miraculous it 's beautiful uh, but man I tell you what we don 't expect a puppy to pump, uh, to jump out of there right? We want to see a baby child, a boy, or a girl those are your options even though it 's twenty twenty two all right <laughs> Those are your options, and that's what you expect to come out. You don't expect a dog to pop out of there, all right? And and so what? Because it's a woman, and therefore there should be a child born unto her. If you're a child of God, let me ask you this. Do you want to see other children of God in your fruit basket? I I think you ought to desire that. You ought to desire to be led of the Spirit of God so you can bear the right fruit unto holiness, unto, as the Bible says, everlasting life. But let me just say this. It's not going to be automatic. When you got saved, here you got- think about this. The seed that was planted in you was the word of God. First Peter chapter number one, verse twenty-three. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, uh, the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. That was the seed planted inside of you. But here's where it was planted: it was planted in your heart. Romans chapter 10, Matthew 13. Remember the parable of the sower and the seed? And some, some ground was like stony ground, and some ground was thorny ground, and the thorns are the cares of this life, and the stones are... mention uh, 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 mentioned uh, the stones. Someone help me out here. The stones are a heart that was not ready to receive. It was a hard heart, right? Unbelief. Uh, and then there are... The, 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 it talks about the birds that come and scoop up. Those are the, the, the unclean spirits who want to take the Word of God out of your life. And then, finally, there was some seed that landed into some good ground. Mm-hmm. The ground has to be ready for the seed. Your heart has to be ready to receive it. You realize you can come to church. I, I've had this happen. I've had, someone come to church. I've had people come to church, and some folks are getting a blessing going, yep, amen, I need that. That makes sense to me. And then someone walks out with something, some bird in their saddle, and they highlight something that I never even said. Right. You know why? Because the heart's not right. When your heart's right, God takes that seed and plants it. When you got saved, your heart had to be willing to go, I bow, to the gospel of Jesus Christ, I am not righteous enough to save myself. I let go of my self-righteousness and I yield to the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You had to have a soft heart, right? So there's the seed, there's the soil, and then there's the water. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. You want to bear fruit? It's what we're looking at. Ephesians chapter 5. The seed is the word of God. Starting with the gospel, clearly, And then after that, there's a soil that's your heart. But after you get saved, look, uh, there are some elements you have to have in your life for you to bear fruit. Look at verse 26, talking about husbands loving their wives as Christ loved the church. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the what? So there's the gospel being landed in the right soil. Then from there, there, there's the Christian going, God, I want you to take this soil. I want you to turn it over, Spirit of God. I want you to have fruit rain in my life. And Lord, I want you to bring that shower down. I want you to bring the Word of God into my heart, even if I don't like it, even if it's countercultural, even if it's against my nature. God, bring it in, because when you bring it in, it has a chance of washing the junk out of the way so that water can come down and and, and, and bring life into that seed that's in the ground and then from there what else does a plant need needs access to the sun does it not you know what that's a picture of look at first john chapter number one there's that seed that's planted in your heart that seed of faith from the gospel there's your heart being right with god there's you allowing the word of god to continue to come in that water that washes away the filth of this world and look at first john chapter one and look if you would at verse number seven but if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. You know what that, that is? It's a picture of sunlight. Over there in Malachi chapter 4, it talks about Jesus Christ and the second coming, and it says the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in His wings, S-U-N. Not S-O-N, but, S-U, but it's a capital S, talking about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so what I'm getting at is this, you, for, for you to bear the right fruit, You have to to make sure the elements are right. Can I ask you a question? What are you surrounding yourself with? What people are you surrounding yourself with? What influences are you surrounding yourself with? What philosophies are you surrounding yourself with? Uh, What kind of habits are you surrounding yourself with? Do you understand that their surrounding does make a difference? Do you Remember that story over there in the Gospel of Mark where the guy is lame and he can't get to Jesus Christ, so his four friends... Cl- put him on their backs and they put him on a stretcher and they take him up on top of a roof and they break the roof open and they drop him down you're going to tell me your, fr- your friends don't make a difference the things and the people you surround yourself with they absolutely make a difference if you want to bear fruit for Jesus Christ you need to have the right elements you can't just go outside and go, you know, it, we, 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 this is the first year my wife has asked for years, I, I'd love to have a garden. It'd be great to have a garden. We got the garden now. We just got to plant stuff in it now. That's step one, build the garden. Amen. Got that done. All right. But I guarantee you this much. It's not just a matter of taking a bunch of seeds and throwing it on top of the ground and going, okay. You know what some of you do with the Christian life? You get saved and you're like, okay, God, make it happen. And the Lord's like, I've been planting, I've been trying to water, but there's some things that you have to make sure that are right in the elements. And you have to make sure that the surroundings are right. You have to make sure that you are in fellowship with Jesus Christ because taking in the water of the Word of God on Sunday and Wednesday, it's like taking a bath twice a week. That's good. It's good. Listen, I was at... uh, uh, the pharmacy today with with the, uh, you know, the, the, these two, by the way, happy, happy, happy wedding, happy, yay, new life. Amen. They are now married. They're happy. You can see it all over their faces. Hallelujah. All right. We were in line there. And and I'm not it was not them, by the way, but there was someone else over here in the side that kind of, they smelled like they'd been in the horse pasture quite a bit. You know, you could smell it too. It wasn't me. I want you to know that, right? All right. and And I thought to myself, well, you know, there's someone that might you know, might need a shower, amen? (laughs) Might not be a bad idea. And can I just say this much? When you come to church on Sunday and on Wednesday and you take in the Word of God, that's a good thing. But if you're expecting that to keep you clean all week, you're a fool. You need to get bathed in the Word of God every single day and you need to be in fellowship with Jesus Christ. Fellowship with Jesus Christ is not just a matter of, okay, I read the Bible, I prayed today, I did my my duties, check, 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 check. That's called religion. Fellowship is enjoying the journey with Him. Fellowship is going, man. Lord, I'm just so thankful. I'm so glad. Thank you for what you did in my life. God, I'm thankful just to walk with you in spite of the circumstances around me. God, you know what? I I got this that's wrong in my life, and this that's wrong in my life, and this isn't working. That's not working. But God, you work every time. And and God, I want to be connected to you. You know what that will do for you? It will allow you to bear some fruit. But when you do what a lot of Christians do, and you just expect... Automatically, now that you're saved, the fruit's just going to come. No, the elements have to be right as well. God is going to do his part, but you have to do yours. So the question now is do you want to bear fruit? Do you want to bear fruit for Jesus Christ? Do you want anything to show for your life when you get to the judgment seat? I do. And I pray you do as well. Go back to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5. And in this list of things that we are going to examine, And again, we're not talking about different fruits. Don't say, well, I like, I'm naturally gifted with this fruit. That's not how it works. All right? You're not, the the, the whole point of this is it's a spiritual thing, not a natural thing. Now, some of you might be more affectionate than other people, some of you might be more empathetic than other people, but we're talking about something that goes beyond just human empathy. We're, We're talking about something that is spirit led. All right? That we're talking about when you have every reason not to like somebody that you still love them. Amen. When you have every reason to go, man, I I, just, I despise everything about you. There's nothing about you that I like. But I'm gonna love you. <laughs> you say what's that? That's spirit led. Look at Galatians five, look if you would at verse twenty two. But the fruit of the spirit is what? It's love. Now, I'm going to give you four things very quickly tonight about this love that I think are real important for you to understand. Because if you don't get this, you'll be swept away with what a lot of people are swept away with today, which is this. For a lot of people, they believe that love means you have zero lines of delineation in what is right and wrong. Can I just say this right now? That's not what love means. Can I say this as well? If you loved everything, you'd be a pervert. There's some things you shouldn't love. All right. There's some things God hates. Proverbs chapter 6. All right. Let me say this. Number one, love source. Look at 1 John chapter 4. Love source. For you to recognize the kind of love that we're talking about, you have to understand the source. And the source is not humankind. A, per, a, a man can love his son and a man can love his wife. But for you to love someone that's unlovable... For you to know something about somebody else and have dirt on them and still love them, for you to get to know someone and see the dark side of them and still love them, that's different. Natural love is basically I get something out of you, which is why we try to teach our young ladies a guy will say anything that he can to get something out of you. Come on, don't be that quiet with me. You guys are watching way worse than that on TV. I mentioned something like that from the Pope, and you're all quiet like, oh, I don't know what he thought. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, all right? And you ought to amen that because you know it's true. And a young man that's not led by the Spirit of God and wasn't raised right will say anything he can to get something out of a young lady, all right? And anymore, it's probably the other way around as well, the way things are going, all right? So, but here, here's the point. The point is this. That's not true love. The world has their idea of what love is. Look at 1 John chapter 4, and God has His. Look at 1 John chapter 4. Look, if you would, at verse 6. You need to understand true love's source. 1 John 4, 6, We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. That spirit of truth is the Holy Spirit within you. Beloved, let us love one another. Why? For love is of who? And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Now, don't mistake what he's saying. He's not saying just because someone has human love that they're born of God. No, 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 no. Listen, there's been natural love that's been going on for thousands of years. We're talking about a supernatural love that comes from the second birth. It is you putting yourself last. It is you saying, I love you so much. I'm not going to expose all the dirt in your life to make you look bad so that I look better. You know, that's what people do on social media all the time. It's this group took, looking at this group going, they're evil, they're bad. And this group looks at like, they're evil, they're bad. And they point out all the mistakes, all the hypocrisies. Can I just say this? Story? You're all evil. You're all bad. And so am I. The only thing that makes us good is Jesus Christ. He says, this, he that loveth is born of God, knoweth God. He that loveth not. In other words, he that they can't love from a spiritual standpoint, from a supernatural love standpoint, Knoweth not God why? For God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. Listen, if you're lost without Jesus Christ, you're not living in the love of God. You are abiding, according to John chapter 3, under the wrath of God. If you want the the love of God, it is manifested at the cross. He says that clearly in verse number 9, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. here in His love, not that we love God, but that He loved us. You know what the source of true love sources? It's God himself. And listen, that is different than, than the love that this world talks about. In other words, I'll say it like this. The prism through which we should see love biblically is God's love. You know what that means? The Bible says in 1 Peter, be holy for I am holy. That's what God says. You know what real love is? It's holy love. It's not perverted. Just because we love something doesn't mean it's godly. I love donuts. Right? I love sugar, right? And I like ca- and I love caffeine. That doesn't mean that that's godliness. You with me? All right. What What I'm trying to get at is this: the world talks about love, and here's what they mean. Oftentimes, you ha- you can't say anything that's going to offend. You can't say anything about truth. You can't say anything about the Bible because that's not loving. The greatest thing I can do if I love someone is tell them the truth. Yes, in love, but I need to tell them. That's my job. So real love is not perversion. Real love is through the the prism of God himself, and God is holy. All the other attributes of God, if you can understand the holiness of God, the love of God makes sense. Let me ask you this question. Did God love you enough to let you into heaven without you getting saved? No. You know how God expresses love to you? He said, first things first, you're a sinner, and you're defiled, and I can't let you into my presence like that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to offer you my son. So God extended his love to you, but he did not do it at the price. He did not do it at the sacrifice of his holiness. You young people are bombarded with the world telling you, love, 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 love. You know, let's talk, love, and basically what they're saying is this, throw the Bible out the window and love that which is perverted. That's not biblical love. Biblical love is seen through the eyes of God. And it's God saying, look, you don't deserve my love, but I still love you because of Jesus Christ. You ever find yourself saying about someone else, they don't deserve my love? Can I ask you a question? Do you deserve God's? Do you get it? Aren't you glad you get it? Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I mentioned this earlier. The problem is not that we don't love ourselves enough. The problem is that we love ourselves maybe too much. Second Timothy chapter three. Second Timothy chapter three: look if you would at verse., If you hear screams, they're happy screams, okay? <laughs> the only time I'm going to say that the screams from below are happy ones are on Wednesday night at our church. With the kids downstairs having a good time, all right? right. Second Timothy chapter 3, look at, if you would at verse 2. Uh, verse 1, this know also that in the last days, what? Perilous. Perilous. That means dangerous times shall come. You know how God describes dangerous times? Look at verse 2. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, that no control of their flesh, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. How does that entire list start off? It starts off with you loving you more than you should. That's it. So the problem is not that we don't love ourselves enough. The problem with, with fallen nature is that we love ourselves too much. And the Spirit of God is going to lead you away from that. He's going to lead you to a place to go, I'm last, you're first. It goes opposite to your flesh. You're about to go in a parking spot and someone swoops right in. You're at a church potluck and someone cuts in front of you. I mean, I know it's silly, but you understand these are things that people kind of get. Remember the story of, of Amnon and Tamar? The young man that rapes his half-sister in Second Samuel 13? You know what it says about him? It says that he loved her. That's what the Bible says. But let me just say this. It wasn't led of the Spirit of God. You see why? It was inordinate affection. It was him saying, I love you because there's something I want from you to gratify my flesh. Do you understand? What happens when church people let you down? Do you understand what I'm trying to get at here? What happens when your kids let you down? Kids, teens, what happens when your parents let you down? What happens when your spouse let you down? How you respond to that says whether you're led by the Spirit of God or not. Do you understand? Real love says, I'm going to love you in spite of what my flesh says. The Bible says, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. You know what that means? Telling yourself no and saying yes to what the Spirit of God wants in your life. The source of love is holy. It's God. And God says, here are the things that I love. Let me ask you a question. What do you love? Who do you love? And why? If I were to say, show me your wallet and your calendar, I would know what you love. And I would know who you love. The, the, the challenge tonight is to, as the Bible says, to love God first, and then second, the second commandment is like, I know it, love your neighbor as yourself. You don't do that by nature. You need to be led to the Spirit of God in order to be able to do that. So the first thing you have to understand is the source of real love is God. Look at First Corinthians chapter 13. Well, what's the definition of biblical love? We're going to look at that. Can I say this? It's not an emotion. Oftentimes when people are in a relationship, especially young people, we're in love. What that really often, that doesn't mean, not, I'm not saying that they're not meant for each other, they can't get married, or they don't. I'm just saying like 90% of the time, it's more like we're infatuated with each other. Right? right? I can't stop thinking about her, she can't stop thinking about me. And But, but that in and of itself does not define love. All right? Uh, look at First Corinthians chapter 13. Look, if you would, at verse 4. Charity suffereth long. You say, well, why is the, why is the, the highest Form of love defined as charity in the bible because the highest form of love is found in john 15 where it says greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends the greatest the real uh, when you know what it's it's led of the spirit of god it is love that is an action it's not love that's an emotion it's not just oh i just love you guys so much It's, you know what, I love you, therefore, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give of myself. For God so loved the world that he First 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It's not looking for its own good. It's looking for the goods of others. Doth not behave itself unseemly. You know what that means? If you're not married, keep your hands to yourself. (laughs) In the original Greek, I think it says something like that. You know what it means? Unseemly means not inappropriate. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. It's not selfish. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Can I ask you a question? Do you naturally think negative of the people around you? Now, I understand if you're in a dark alley you know, or a dark parking lot at 10 o'clock at night and you're by yourself going to your car, you looking around going, are there any, 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 any critters around here I need to be concerned about? There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm talking about the people God's placed in your life. Do you automatically assume the worst about them? You know what it says here? It says here, hey, look. Uh, it says, think of no evil. Rejoiceth not iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. Do you remember when Peter failed the Lord? Remember that? What did the Lord ask him three times? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Peter's like, yeah, Lord, you know I love you. Remember that? Lord, yes, I'm so tired of you asking that question. Well, I'm asking because I kind of just want to make sure I said, he's got this bunch of fish, 153 fish there that they caught, and and the Lord's like, do you love me more than these? Lord, you know I love you. Then why is it that when things got rough, the first thing you did is you started throwing your, your physical net instead of your spiritual one? You proved what it was that you loved by what you did when things got hard. Charity beareth all things means it goes through stuff uh, you You get around saved people for any amount of time you 're going to learn you're going to learn real quick they 're not perfect and if you 're going to do anything for Jesus Christ in ministry, you going to learn to look past some of the issues of the saints in order to help them in order to minister them and in order to get something done for jesus christ here's, here's, think about this guys. We got this message where we go, God wants to forgive you of everything you've done wrong. It's the greatest message of all time. And then someone takes you up on it. They go, I'm a sinner. And you're like, all right, come on, get saved. Come on in. Join the, come on in. Uh, join us as we walk with Jesus Christ. And then you're like, oh, but you're a sinner. I just didn't realize how bad your sin was. Your sin's way worse than mine. Do you know what the problem is? There's a lack of charity there, the lack of the ability to bear some things. Talk is cheap, words are plentiful, deeds are precious. Talking much is a sign of vanity, for the one who is lavish with words is cheap in deeds. You know what love's definition is? It's not an emotion, it's an action. It's, are you willing to give? And are you willing to give again? And are you willing to give when you don't like it? Are you willing to reconcile with a brother or sister in Christ when it may be awkward? Well, yeah, but it's what the Bible says. Yeah, but it's going to be awkward. you know what's more awkward? Not walking in the Spirit. Do you know what's more awkward? Not having any fruit the judgment seat of Christ. Do you want to be led of the Spirit of God? You know, what's going to pr- you know what's going to come out of your life? Love. And I don't just mean this ooey gooey emotion. I just love you. I love everything about you. I just wanna. No, it's you knowing everything about what's around you, having a realist point of view and saying, yet, I love them. Every once in my wife will look at me and she'll say, Do you love me? And I'll say, Baby, you know I love you. And you know what she'll say? Why do you love me? Every once in a while, I'll be a real wise, you know, and I'll say, because God told me I have to. (laughs) Love's definition is not that it's an emotion, but rather an action. Can I say this? Look at uh, Romans chapter number 13. Do you realize you're a debtor? You owe it to love others. Now, God doesn't necessarily want you living in financial debt more than you can bear because it will stress you out and all that stuff. But when it comes to the spiritual side of things, let me just say this much. God wants you to understand the principle that you are a debtor. You owe. Listen to me very carefully. And I know what I'm about to say, and it's a biblical thought. I have no qualms about saying it. You owe it to love other people. Look at Romans 13 and verse 8. Owe no man anything, but to what? For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. You believe that? He goes on to say this. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended, comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as what? Is you already love you. But getting you to love them is the, where the Spirit of God has to come in. And when you're led of the Spirit of God, do you know what nat- what's going to happen? When you're led of the Spirit of God, there's going to be a supernatural thing that takes place where you are able to love people when you can't let- necessarily don't like them. Yeah. Right. Where you can give, listen to me, you can give to them. You know what Paul says? The more I love, talking about ministry, the more I love, the less I be loved. Do you realize if Paul quit his ministry, we wouldn't be here? You wouldn't have Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians. So let me ask you a question. What is it that some Christian has done to you? Somewhere in the past, maybe recently, that makes you go, I just can't love them. I've been around Christians that will say that about something that happened 25 years ago, let alone last week. You realize you owe it to love the, the brethren. The Bible says, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. When I am allowing the word of God to come in and I submit to that and I'm in fellowship with Jesus Christ, one of the byproducts of that, there's two byproducts when I'm in fellowship with God. One is boldness to speak up for the gospel. That's what it says in Acts chapter 4. And the other one is that I will love the brethren. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples for the love that you have one for another. Is that not true? You're a Bible believer? All right, l- l- listen, let me say this. Let's be Bible livers. You know what that means? If I'm led of the Spirit, I'm going to love you. I'm going to love Carlos enough to come to church when I don't want to come to church. You know why? Because Carlos needs to hear the Word of God. Can I ask you something? I'm being serious. Do you ever think about this? Do you know that pastors and preachers are people just like you? And on a Wednesday night, when you're at the pharmacy line, there's 10 people in front of you go, Eh, they'll figure church out. (laughs) (laughs) Been a long two days, they'll figure it out. You know what love says? But that but but Adrian, that's selfish. Love says go. Love says submit. Love says have grace. Love says show up. Love says give. Love, you understand? love is going to lead you, the spiritual-led love that's going to be born out of your life when you're submitted to the Spirit of God is going to lead you to give things that you don't think you can give or don't want to give. You know why it's so important go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13? Because of all the gifts that you can have as a believer. People talk about spiritual gifts. I've got the gift of tongues, and I've got the gift of discernment, and I've got the gift of helps, and I've got the gift of, how about the gift of charity. And guess what? God gifted that gift to you, and it's on you to gift it to others. Right. God placed it inside of you when you got saved, and He wants to work it out. First Corinthians chapter thirteen. Look if you would at verse eight. Can I show you love's destiny? True love's destiny. That sounds like a romance. It sounds like a Hallmark movie title. I recognize, but but that's not what I'm getting at at all. All right, I'm talking about where does this lead? Look at uh, First Corinthians chapter thirteen. Look at if you would at verse number eight. Charity. Never faileth. Th- think about this. You're here right now because God loved you enough to send his son to die for you. Fair? And you've, you've got the Bible in your hand because God loved you enough to give you those words. And you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit because God loved you enough. And, and you've got a church family because God loved you. And you've got all these different things. And listen, then you're going to die. Right? Does love end there? No. Because you know what's going to happen? You're going to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. And you're going to be in the presence of of the purest form of love that this universe has ever seen. God himself and while the tribulation goes on down here and the millennial reign of Jesus Christ goes on a thousand years of him reign on the earth and then after that the great white throne judgment does love end there no it does not because it will last forever and ever and ever and for eternity you're going to be flying around the planets up there in the new heavens and the new earth and you're flying up there and God's going to go look at that look at look at St. Joseph and look at St. and look at St. Look at Carlos and look at that. that is my trophy of my love they exist to please me they're here because I love them that's what's going to go go. on for all of eternity, guys. You know what you are? You're a trophy of God's grace and love. So when he says charity never fails, he's not just saying in human relationship, but he means it's going to last forever. It's the only thing that will last forever and ever and ever that he says you can apply right now as a believer. Christian, can I ask you this? What kind of fruit are you bearing? If you're led of the Spirit of God, if you're being led of Him, One of the results is you're going to bear the manifestation of love, biblical love. It is sacrificial love. It is pure love. It is self-denying love. It is gracious love. It is giving love. You know what that is? It's love that rubs against our human and carnal nature. It's love that says you don't deserve it, right? You don't. But I didn't either, so I'm going to give it anyways. (laughs) Go back to Galatians chapter 5. We'll end here. I mentioned this a second ago, but it's important to note the two signs of someone that's been with Jesus are their boldness for the truth and speaking up for the gospel and their love for the brethren. Galatians chapter 5. Now, now some of you right now, you're like, man, I don't get it. Why would anyone have a hard time loving these people? They're great. You don't know me that well. You don't live with me like my wife does. I'm serious. Right? You know where it gets hard? The more time you spend with other people. In ministry. In your home. At work. You realize there's some people at work that some of you have just quit trying to reach because you said they're unreachable. I'm going to quit. And the Lord's saying, do you love them? You know what the Bible says? Of some have compassion making a difference, right? Pulling them out of the fire. You know what that means? There are going to be some people that are lost that God wants you to have pity on and go, man, yeah, they're a jerk. Yeah, they're abrasive. Yeah, they're not fun to be around. But Lord, would you help me to love them so I can reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ? That doesn't mean you don't speak up for righteousness. It doesn't mean that you never say what I'm not saying that. But can I ask you a question? Do you love them? Do you love those people? Do you love the people in this room? Will you come when you don't want to come? Will you show up when you don't want to show up? Will you give when you don't want to give? Will you give out a track when you don't want to give out? Do you see that? That's, That's love. Supernatural, spiritual love. Galatians 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Amen. Let's all stand. We'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. hope you got something out of the word of God tonight. If you're challenged, provoked a little bit. Let's go to Lord in prayer and we'll be dismissed. Thanks for coming out tonight. I'm sure the kids are going to have all kinds of stories about the fun they had down there. And uh, encourage them as they're finishing up their year of DBC. Uh, a lot of fun planned for them this summer. Hope you can be a part of that as well. Let's go to Lord in prayer, Brother Jose Granados. If you would dismiss us in order of prayer, sir.